right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is John Buck, and I'm along with my coworker, Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers here at The Athletic, and we are here to talk about the Homestead race, which was damn good. That was a nice... Nice uh, surprise. I don't know. I was going to say surprise. No, it's not a nice surprise. I guess that's what we expect out of Homestead. But it was uh, it was a very pleasant day of good racing. Um, I guess there were surprises throughout the field, certainly. But Jordan, I mean, man, this was uh, this was a good race right there. This was fantastic. This was what you want to see on a mile and a half racetrack. You saw comers and goers. You saw guys struggle early that came back late. You saw guys look dominant early and they faded. You saw lots of passing, lots of side-by-side racing. Um, I know Byron, you know, kind of pulled away at the end there, but you, you still had moments where guys were able to catch, run down and catch, and then pass guys. There's tire management. This was exactly what you want to see in a mile-and-a-half racetrack, exactly what we expect to see at Homestead, and this was terrific. This was a great race. I really enjoyed it, and, you know, it just goes to show you it's one of these things where, you know, you don't need uh, a late caution to – to make it a great race. You don't need a great finish to make it a great race. You know, Byron, um, led, I guess, I don't know, the last 58 laps. It yeah. Looks most like. of the last stage three, it felt like. Race. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that all went green, um, from, from the time he had, had led that. Um, so it was really, really interesting. I mean, um, I loved seeing all the different guys up there. Look, I mean, let's, let's back up for a second because to me, and, and I think it, you know, Brad Keselowski uh, a few years ago articulated this really well, but basically, you know, the best NASCAR racing is, is the unpredictable racing, right? When we've had situations where, you know, it's the big three and you just, you just know every week who's going to win. And, you know, you're just like, Oh, it's going to be one of these guys. Or even with, you know, Harvick and Hamlin a lot last year, it just, it gets so repetitive. And when that happens over and over again, you're just like, ah, I don't know. You know, you just start to lose faith that any underdog can jump up there and, and get a good run or, or whatever. So when you, you know, see a day like today where you have so many different names up there and there's parody and, uh, just in the season overall, I mean, you know, the fact that Michael McDowell is fourth in points with three straight top tens after the first three races, um, that's refreshing, you know? Uh, and it just goes to, it's, it's the opposite of F1, right? It's like, Hey, we're actually seeing something that you don't know what's going to happen each week and you don't know how it's going to uh, unfold and play out. And that's why people tune in. If you already knew what was going to happen, what's the, what's the point of watching? So this has been a very, very welcome start to the year. Three winners that I don't think I would have, well, I don't think I I had any of them necessarily winning a race this year. I think um, I had two of them in the playoffs, Christopher Bell and William Byron, but you know, in terms of winning a race, I thought, you know, they might make it on points, but uh, really, really interesting start to the year here. It is a very interesting start to the year, and it kind of reminds me back to 2001 a little bit. I think that year there was 18 different winners in the Cup Series, and it was a wide-open year where you had big teams winning, you had small teams winning, and you just didn't. You had this unpredictability week to week. Even guys who were running up, you know, Kenny Wallace, Mike Wallace, were finishing second in races on non-super speedways. It was just a wild year. And this year is kind of giving that feel a little bit. No one would have predicted Christopher Bell winning a race on the Daytona road course. Him winning, yes. Road course, no. Michael McDowell, I mean, we know he's good in these, you know, at Daytona and Talladega, but still him winning is a surprise. And 
today. I, I had high expectations for William Byron this year. I really believe that Rudy Fugel is the perfect crew chief for him at this point in his career. And I thought they were going to do big things. I think William really was on the cusp going into last year of, of doing something special. And I think really what happened with the pandemic you know, caused a setback with him and his team. So I expected him to win a race. I didn't expect him to be this strong out of the gate and not to win on a race like this where he kind of went out and took it. I mean, he passed Kyle Larson and Martin Truex Jr., who was fast all day, and he pulled away from those guys. And it was really, to me, a young driver coming into his own, kind of asserting himself a little bit. And, you know, a couple years ago, there there was a lot of talk about William Byron kind of being this prodigy and this next-generation superstar. And that certainly has cooled a little bit because it's been tough. I mean, going to the Cup Series is not easy. And it's hard to win. We've seen it with Kyle uh, Chase Elliott. We've seen it with Kyle Larson. Um, but it, William Byron feels like he's kind of on that cusp of breaking through. And I think he's really poised for a big year. I, I was surprised to see it at Homestead. But I think we're going to continue to see it throughout the year now. Well, he's certainly, you know, setting himself up well now. And, and I think that, you know, the, these two guys who have won the last couple of weeks, you would have thought they were, at least I would have, you know, sort of the fourth driver on these four-car teams. And... You know, with Larson coming over there this year and and Elliot, the reigning champion, then I thought Bowman was going to be the real breakout star of, of Hendrick this year, and he may still be. But you know, for the you know for Byron to come out and make this kind of statement, um, you're right. That says that says a ton about his year uh, and what's to come. A lot of confidence there. Um, you know, it's Rudy Fugel, obviously. I mean, what can you say? It's super impressive. And, uh, it's just, I, I just feel like, uh, this every, every time something unexpected happens like this, and now three weeks in a row, just sort of injects some life into the series because, you know, we'd gone into this year talking about, okay, there's going to be these new tracks this year. There's going to be, you know, all these different driver combinations and stuff like that. But really it, when, when you see the on-track product and it's producing different winners and, uh, parody and things like that. That that that's what really shakes things up and keeps the storylines going all year. Um, I, I'm just uh, I'm very bullish on this year. I think it's it's off to a great start. Now I I don't know if it'll last. And and as Martin Truex said, and I and I think you know Michael McDowell was nodding his head and agreeing with them. You know, eventually the big teams, um, you know, it, with the big drivers, the star drivers who have won a lot of races, they'll they'll figure this stuff out. So, you know, it's going to be Denny Hamlin and Harvick and Truex. Kyle Busch, um, you know, the Keselowski, Logano, they're all, they're all going to win their races and, and probably win multiple races. And we're going to say, Oh yeah, I remember that start. Um, that was, that was kind of fun to start and it didn't really last. I, I would anticipate cause it's, it's, it would be tough for me to believe that this could keep up, but it's, it's just been fun, um, to see the, the start of the year unfold this way. I agree with largely what you said. I think it's, you know, at some point you, you expect the, the regulars to kind of assert themselves, and they, they kind of did today at different points. Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano were really strong. Martin Truex Jr. was in the mix all day. Larson was up there. Chase Elliott was up there. But again, I go back to say, you know, Christopher Bell and William Byron both drive for big teams, and they're both talented young drivers who expectations, we, we've seen them do very, very well in other series. Um, going up the ladder and the expectations were high for these guys so to me there's no reason to think that they can't continue this isn't you know a driver with a a mid-sized team that's punching above its weight class and kind of taking advantage of circumstances these are drivers with very good teams with with very good capable crew chiefs and organizations behind them so I don't see why it can't continue for these guys going forward I'm going to be interested to see 
what the larger picture is though and what the snowball effect is because we're starting to you know we we've got three guys now locked in the playoffs theoretically um two of which i think we could agree were we we both had penciled in the playoffs but still this this does put the squeeze on other guys and if we get you know we mentioned it last week but if we get another surprise winner or two along the way and there's still a lot of racing left um, the the crunch for the playoffs is going to be fascinating to watch unfold. Well, yeah, I mean, like I was saying last week, and now even more so, um, this is really, really setting the groundwork for some major name uh, or names to miss the playoffs because you're really taking up spots. Like like you said, we had these guys in the playoffs these last two, but we thought they would be taking spots on points. So uh, if you assume that. Uh, the the usual winners are going to win their races as well. You're really, I mean, you're talking about we could come down to, you know, one or two spots on points and that's it possibly. I mean, this is this, you could have somebody finish again, like seventh or eighth in points who hasn't won a race. Um, they get the last spot on points or something. It's, it could be really crazy. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how that unfolds. But um, along those lines, if, if you want to take a quick detour to look at some of the standings here, um, cause we've talked about people that have gotten off to a good start and we'll, we'll go back and talk more about that. But, um, you know, really disastrous for guys like Matt Benedetto, um, 34th in points. He's behind James Davison mm. in the point standings. He's behind Joey Gase, Josh Balicki and Jamie McMurray, who only ran one race. In fact, Jamie McMurray has more than double the amount of points that Matt Benedetto has after three races. And is it fair to say, I mean, it's. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, is it fair to say, and I, and I think it is, that Matt's in a must-win position for two reasons. One, his points position is such that it's going to be hard to make up that many lost points. I just don't know if they're going to be consistent enough and, and get enough stage points throughout the year, the regular season to do that. So their best and most direct path is to get a win, and that means being aggressive and just taking some you know swings at it. Also, I mean, just pointing your way into the playoffs, he needs a win for his career and, and for his job for next year to figure out what he's going to do. So if I look at that situation, to me, they have to win. That that, that it isn't about points. It's winning. Well, and, and yeah, that's a perfect example of how the points bubble is changing. There's, I, I would say already after three races, it's almost impossible. I mean, not, not impossible, but it's, a, it's quite a long shot to think that they could possibly point their way in. So you're right. They're going to have to win. But I think he's going to have to do it sooner than later because, you know, at this point, how, how can how can you say okay he's even going to survive this season? Uh, now you, this stuff hasn't really been his fault at all, right? I mean, no, um, just, he, you know, he got caught in the big one. Yeah, the the road course uh, he blew a tire and it ended up like taking the whole side of his car off. I mean, that's not his fault. Um, today, uh, I guess I mean they all of Penske didn't really run well. Um, yeah. Weird day for them too, because they were really good to start in the sunlight. Um, Logano and Keselowski were running one, two Blaney was kind of off, but it looked like they, the Penske cars were really fast Ford in general actually looked really good during the daylight. And then as the, the transition happened and went into evening, they definitely faded. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have a car in the top 15 finished in the top 15. Keselowski finished 16th. Um, let's see. Logano 25th. Blaney, he obviously got uh, walled by Almirola. He finished 29th. And Another driver, Benedetto, too, who needs, who's in a big points hole. Oh, yeah, that's exactly – I mean, that's a great transition right there because Blaney's 24th in points. So, again, it's – if you're that far back, Almirola, 26th in points. And that's somebody who's been able to point his way in several times. 
Um, I just don't see how you can overcome that because these spots are going to get taken up. And when you look at the point standings, okay, like the top three guys in the point standings right now have not won a race. In fact, uh, five of the top six in the point standings haven't won a race. The only guy up there is Michael McDowell in fourth. So, you know, I, we, we assume they're going to win races. Those guys, Chase Elliott, Kurt Busch, people like that. But if they don't, and they're the ones racking up the points, the guys who are trying to be like, Oh, I'm getting in in 14th or 15th. They have no shot. So man, this is really shaping up to be a fascinating season. One that I have not seen in, in, I don't think since I've been covering the sport 2004 now where, you know, you just, uh, at some point you get into the predictability of things and you say, yeah, okay. This is kind of what I thought was going to happen. And you kind of settle in. But, um, I mean, now we're, we're going to talk about theories. I'm sure of why, you know, why we saw Chris Buescher be able to run well for a while or, or why McDowell, um, you know, what's your take on the parody so far? What's behind this? Uh, to me, primarily it's, there has been no rule changes. The package has been the package and teams have a very, have a, have a great familiarity with this. And there's also a parts freeze and an R and D freeze. So teams aren't able to, uh, t- try different things. They aren't able to tweak. They aren't able to experiment and that closes the gap when you've got bigger, big teams that are kind of in a box on what they can do. Um, there's only kind of a ceiling on how high they can go. Whereas I think if you're a midsize team and you can always kind of, you, you have a little bit more to, to play with because you, you have an opportunity to catch up. And I think we're seeing that right now where the bigger teams are kind of capped out and we've seen some midsize teams. Front Row Motorsports is a perfect example. Roush Fenway Racing is a good example today, at least for a good chunk of the race. Um, and, and really work hard in the off season to, to close that gap. So to me, the parts freeze and the, the limiting, uh, you know, R and D factors is really the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what it sounds like when you ask people so far, right? Like, um, true X and people like that, that that's really, um, increased the amount of parity. And, and I, I tell you what, it's looking way ahead here, Jordan, but I think this, if, if that is the case and that's, what's behind this, and it's able to continue that way in, in some degree. Now we know, again, we don't expect this to be like this all year. And we think that, you know, the, the, the dominant teams and drivers who are, are typical multi-race winners will, will eventually get their wins. But if that's the case where, you know, you can see a, a busher pop up there or a McDowell and stuff like that. Um, I think that bodes well for the next gen car because it's going to be all the same source, right? You're not going to be able to develop your own parts at all. You're going to be buying everything. Um, everybody's going to be buying from the same place. You're going to be getting your cars from the same place. So and if, you can't if do that, anything to those parts either. Right. That's right. So if that's the case, um, I think there's, you know, that, that, that is very promising for NASCAR's future. And that's what, that's what they want, right? That's why you see these, these new owners getting in and trying to jump in and, um, Again, you know, we could be, look, you know, I, I'll say this. I always tend to get too far ahead of myself after the first, you know, intermediate track race or the first couple, you know, last year, um, you know, you, you would have said Blaney and, and Alex Bowman after the first couple intermediate track races. Wow. You know, they're going to dominate the year, you know, and, and, uh, I don't know whether they have a combined, maybe two wins last year. They had two wins. Right? Blaney so, should have had much more though, to be honest with you. He should have had, he, he was in position to win four five, six races last year. And Bowman had, could have won a couple easily too. They just didn't execute. But you know, what I'm saying is after the first couple races like that, you're, you know, you, you, you can't always just take whatever, you know, 
Gibbs was talking about how far off they were and stuff like that. We really got to get to work. And then Denny Hamlin went out and basically had a career year, you know? So it's, uh, and they, they were still far off, I guess, for some of their other cars, but you, yeah. you get my point. You can't, it's you early. can't totally just take this small sample size, but again, it's the, the possibilities are very intriguing, I guess, of how this is setting up at this point. I think it's an exciting year. I've said that coming in, all the reasons you mentioned, and I think the first three races of the year have proved that out. I'm curious to see where this goes from here. And today, and it's not like this was a an underdog uh, a race where we just saw you know a bunch of you know mid sized guys you know in contention. Martin Truex Jr. was up there, Chase Elliott was up there, Kyle Larson was up there. There was enough guys in the mix throughout the day where it, it really looked like. I mean, it's going to be, I think, kind of play out how we kind of expected it to, but it is nice to get this break, and it's going to be interesting to see if this can carry through. Like a Tyler Reddick, for example, who's a very talented driver in his second full season. We saw last year with Richard Childers Racing, they had speed in their race cars at times. Austin Dillon won a race at Texas. Reddick finished second that race in the playoffs. Dillon, you know, punched above his weight class and had good runs at Richmond and Darlington. You know, why can't we think that Richard Childers Racing can't improve upon last year and turn in a good run? And Reddick finished second today. Dylan had a good run. So, to me, I look at that as, as a team that is in position. So, we'll see where it goes. But I, I think the pieces are there for this to be really intriguing as we move forward. Yeah, I mean, the Reddick part of it as well. Uh, you know, look, I mean, it, it if he had a few more laps, he would have won this race, right? I mean, he ends up. Yeah, finishing 2.7 seconds behind, but he was he came from way back and started running the high side and and made up so much ground. Um, that would have been another first time winner story to continue the theme. Um, it's just uh, it's just really interesting. Um, Congratulations, I, by the way, on picking Reddick to finish top two. Well, you know, I, I you can't congratulate me. I I would like to congratulate if anybody picked my advice for the the betting column that we've been doing each week. Uh, you know, I didn't make any money off it, but I hope somebody did. Um, <laughs> I hope somebody listened to you because they 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 were uh, they'd be collecting their monies right now. Yeah, I think he was plus twelve hundred maybe to yeah. finish top two. So um, that'd be a nice payday, even if you just put you know ten bucks down or something, right? Uh, Hundred twenty bucks back, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, we've there's been some interesting. I mean, look, we we didn't have uh, Byron winning the race, and he was a long shot, just as Bell and and McDowell were. So if you had somehow, uh, put money, you know, on these guys and, and, you know, gotten these wins to start off the year, I mean, you'd be really NASCAR betting has been very good to some long shots so far this year. For sure. Pretty, pretty fascinating. And I think, Um, you know, speaking of long shots, though, I think this is what's going to make Las Vegas really interesting. And it is going to be, it's more of a, it's kind of more of an intermediate track that we see throughout the schedule. It's, it's smoother. It's high speed. It doesn't have the same kind of tire wear. That to me is going to be a really good indicator of where teams are stacking up and whether some of these teams that we've seen kind of punch above their weight class, um, have any, have staying power. Well, um, let's just sort of run through the field here because, uh, I don't want to overlook any, any stories that were, uh, you know, that, or we're talking about, for instance, um, and now I just said we're going to run through the field and I'm jumping around. But as I look, uh, say eighth place today, Kurt Busch, right? I mean, Great here's rally. a guy, oh, unbelievable. Like, you know, he's running top five and he has a vibration, loose wheel or whatever. He has to pit under green in the last stage. And you're like, well, so much for him. His good day is spoiled, right? Totally done. Nope. He doesn't get a caution. Nothing. 
and he drives all the way back through, all the way up to eighth place. Unbelievable. Fresh wow. tires, baby. I mean, gosh, I, I wish we could have more more races like this where that makes so much of a difference. Yeah. Um, multiple grooves and fresh tires or, you know, tires at all making a difference. Uh, Second week in a row, too, where Kurtz had a rally, had, been in, had a really good car, been up front, had an issue, and then had a rally and got a good finish. And then, uh, you know, on, on the other side of this, on the flip side of this, uh, you see Cole Custer. He was having a really good run. I mean, he started off slow, uh, was easily going to get a top 10 finish out of it. And, you know, I was like, oh, okay, this is, you know, he's going to have a shot, maybe a top five. Uh, I guess at the end he had a tire coming apart or something and last lap uh, ends up finishing 23rd, but they had decent speed for a while. So, I mean, I don't know if you feel positive or negative about that if you're Cole Custer, but you know, you showed something at least. I think you have to be positive. You've got speed on a mile and a half intermediate track. We've seen him in the past. This has been a very good track for him. These kind of tracks have been good to him. He won last year at Kentucky. So theoretically, if you, you've got speed here, hopefully that carries over and you're with an organization that is one of the powerhouses. So, you know, it's frustrating, but that is a team that is capable of winning and getting that win if they need it somewhere along the way. Jordan, I'll read you a stat here. Um, and this is this is sort of mind-blowing. Uh, but Stephen Toronto uh, on Twitter he, he posted, his, his name is uh, SToronto92 is his, his Twitter name, but he tweeted, when NASCAR went back to racing with one-day shows last May, Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin spent most of the 2020 season stinking up the show, but since September, there have now been 10 different winners in the last 13 cup races. I mean, so this is a streak that goes back to last fall. Pretty, wow. pretty remarkable. That's we very interesting. We just I don't have see this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a great stat. Um. I think we just, for me, it's just so, again, it's, I keep talking about this, but just such a breath of fresh air because there's been so many years where I feel like I've covered this beat. Um, I'll take you even back, you know, it's sort of like the, the Jimmy dominance, right? It was just like, oh, you know, every year Jimmy's going to win a lot of races. He's going to dominate the playoffs. You know, no matter what anybody does, Jimmy wins again. Okay. You know, and, and I just think NASCAR, when it gets predictable, it's just, it just takes the life out of it. It's, I've seen this movie before, same thing every week. You know, some of the tracks are so similar. Um, now you have uh, a lot more diversity in the schedule. You're having mm -hmm. a lot more diversity of, of names up front. It's, you know, not even the same, you know, winners, but different guys leading laps. It's just, uh, you, you just hope it can continue. And apologies to those who are, you know, those of you who are fans of big, big name drivers who you want, you know, to see your driver win eight races a year or whatever. But, you know, I don't have a dog in the fight. So for me, I want the more, the, the, the more fresh stories and unique stories and fun stories you can get, the better. Um, it just keeps it interesting. So can you give me that stat I, I one more time? Yes. So, uh, Steven Toronto says since September, there have been 10 different winners in the last 13 cup races. Okay. And it's great. I think that points out something though. And the chase Elliott is the driver there who's repeated three times. He won at the Roval, one at Martinsville, one at Phoenix. And to me, this goes back to something we discussed last year is that Denny Hamlin's team and Kevin Harvick's team kind of came back to earth in the playoffs. Um, you know, Hamlin started the playoffs strong and then kind of rescinded a little bit, still made the final four Harvick, you know, won at Bristol, then didn't win after that. And then that last, that semifinal round, they just weren't good. 
Hendrick Motorsports was really good at the end of last year. Obviously, with Chase Elliott winning the championship and him winning three races, but we saw Alex Bowman run better. We saw Byron run a little bit better. So that to me, what we're seeing right happen today is a carryover from last year with Hendrick Motorsports. And that was the question this offseason was, could they continue this? Was what happened last year a mirage? Was this something that was going to be organizational-wide, or was it just going to be the nine team that kind of separated themselves from their teammates? And I think the question, the answer is, is this is an organizational-wide thing. Um, William Byron won today. Chase Elliott is still doing Chase Elliott things and has been in contention to win the last three weeks. Uh, Kyle Larson had a great run today, was was very running top five last week until he spun out and was in contention at Daytona. Alex Bowman's been, been good, but not great. And then obviously Byron. So to me, Hendrick is the big story here is they really seem to, they seem to, I mean, this is going to be very cliche and something we've talked about a lot. Hendrick, I think, is certainly back to that level or very close to it that we're used to seeing them at. That's interesting. Yeah, until you said that, I didn't even think about Chase Elliott being the only one to win multiple races. I was thinking of maybe a couple drivers in there had won multiple since last September. But uh, this, this streak goes back to uh, September 12th at Richmond. Um, so it's been Keselowski, Harvick, Kurt Busch, that Kurt Busch Vegas win, Hamlin, Elliott, Logano, Kyle Busch, his only win of last year at Texas, and then Elliott, Elliott, and then obviously McDowell, Bell, and then um, today to open. So um, just really weird. Uh, it's just so, so strange how that's shaken out because we've, again, just, uh, I, and I don't know how, how much to take out of it, honestly, because I think Vegas next week could be a very, very different situation. As Tyler Reddick said, you know, these, these worn out tracks, you know, maybe you can apply this sort of style to Atlanta, Darlington, um, Fontana's not on the schedule this year, but when you get into the more freshly repaved tracks or the tracks that are more, you know, groove dependent where you can't really make as much of a difference running up the wall or whatever, um, you know, Vegas, that's going to be totally different, even though it's a mile and a half track. I would think I wouldn't expect necessarily the same names today. So maybe that's, you know, maybe at this time next week on the podcast, we'll be talking about, Okay, well, oh, here here they are. They all, you know, all the familiar <laughs> names all came out. Well, I guess we got too far ahead of ourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair. And I think it, it does say that, again, this this track is kind of an anomaly. And what we've seen the, the first two races of the year, we had a super speedway and a road course, which are much different than we typically start the year. We obviously go to Daytona, but usually it's an intermediate track or a Fontana-esque track. So I think Vegas is going to be interesting to see where teams stack up and, and where everybody is at and if their team you know if, if Kyle Busch is continuing to struggle at the beginning of races and having to rally at the end that that's going to be eye-opening to me um if the Penske cars start strong and they fade that's going to be eye-opening to me um it'll be interesting to see where this goes because we're going to have a nice mix of race we've had a nice mix of racetracks so far but you know starting today three of the next four races are mile and a half racetracks um, can we go back to Harvick for just a second? Cause yeah. I, I, I did want to say, I mean, like you, you mentioned him, um, and you know how, how he's sort of fallen off. I, I ex- totally expected, uh, some big things from the four team today because I thought, I was, I'm curious. okay, you know, yeah, you, you go ahead. You're, you're explaining. I was curious about this because our expectations for Harvick today were very different. Yeah. I thought that this, okay. You know, like they, they kind of fell off at the end of last year. But if you look back at the last two mile and a half tracks, you know, um, he was, he was leading at Texas and he hit the rain patch. Um, so he was probably gonna have a great day there. He probably had the best car at Kansas the week before that, but he couldn't get past Logano because the arrow stuff, 
when Logano kept blocking his air in that on that whole last run. And so I just thought, okay, now we're going to see the Harvick strength. We haven't gotten to see it. You know, at Martinsville and Phoenix, those aren't their strong suits. I mean, even though you would have thought Phoenix for Harvick, but on those short tracks, they haven't been as strong. Um, and then obviously road course and, and Daytona 500, you know, you can't take anything from that. So I just thought, okay, intermediate. Now they're going to come out. We're going to see the four team strength. Um, it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. He did. He did not lead a lap today and he had to rally to get to uh, fifth place with McDowell sort of chasing him down at the end there. So, uh, yeah, I guess, I, I guess my expectations for Harvick were a little bit too high, but, um, they just definitely don't seem to have quite the firepower and I can't really explain why yeah, to me Homestead isn't that great of a track for them though if you go back to this race a year ago they weren't dominant they were they had some issues late and it was a, a very bad finish and if you go back to the you know they've made all the championship fours not every single championship four but they've made every championship four but what like two at Homestead or something like that some crazy statistic if you look at those races for the most part 2017 2018 2019 they weren't the best car. They they were well outpaced by the Gibbs cars um, in those races. So, yeah, I, but okay, hold on. Let me stop you here because when you start with his championship, sure, um, in 2014, he's yep. finished at Homestead. His results: first, second, third, fourth, third, fourth, twenty sixth, yep, fifth. Yeah. So I'm saying since the, like 2017 and those races, those years, who did they finish behind since 2017? Yeah, but I mean. I still would have thought they, I mean, you're talking about he led 54 laps, one race, 46, 79, 58, 41. Usually they're up there leading laps. They're in contention. You know, they're in the mix today to not lead any laps. Um, you look at last again, year. Yeah. They just, I don't know. I, I just, I was, I wasn't, I didn't expect them to to, to have a dog well, day. A or good, anything. It's a good call by you. It's a good call by you. Yeah, you know, um, I'm due. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. <laughs> well, um, what else do you want to talk about from from this cup race specifically before we move on here? Can we just talk about how awesome Homestead is? <laughs> I mean, it's we, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's, it's it's sort of cliche by this point, and and you know, I I totally agree with you, and and I I, I could talk about it all day at the same time. Like it's amazing. It's, like, it's it is clearly the best mile and a half track. It's not even close. Um, it's really not. And I mean, Kansas has has had some good races yeah. recently, and um, but. You're right. I mean, Chicagoland had a couple good yeah. ones before it it was off. No, it did. Yeah, yeah, it was job, fine, Bowman. but it's not like this. Yeah. It's not even close to this. No, no, I agree. I agree. I it's, mean, it's, it's not even. This is yeah. amazing. This is this is a track where it's like, why can't we have this track at other places? Like these kind of, if you want to have intermediate race tracks, mile and a half, that's fine. Build this. This is great. It's not that you know dog leg front stretch. This is a progressive track, tire wear. People can pass. It just. This is such an awesome place. I love this track. It's it's perfect. It's the absolute perfect NASCAR racetrack, you know? And it's in look, I, I thought Phoenix did a great job putting on the finale and their facilities are certainly more Absolutely. modern and um, you know, it was fine. But 
you know, if you're talking about the great racing and things like that, there's just, I mean, if, especially, you know, when you, when you talk about a new fan or something, like first you got to take them to like a Bristol or Martinsville, you know, or, or a super speedway mm-hmm. because you got him, you got to get him hooked before you give him like the mile and a half part. <laughs> before you take right? him to Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. But, but Homestead is just such a beautiful, I mean, it, that's, that to me, that's what NASCAR racing is. And and we saw it today. It was a, it was a great Homestead race. Um, I just thought it was the best of, of what you, what it, the average NASCAR race, what you can hope to watch. And, and again, at the same time, you know, there wasn't a late caution, there wasn't a great finish and we still thought it was really good. So I just think that says a lot about the track. Um, and you know, the Xfinity race as well was, was intriguing. Um, Noah Gregson was, was going to win that race. And we had, we actually had a, a little bit of a different take there. Um, if you want to go into that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not blaming Gregson for what happened at the end. I mean, he was a victim of circumstances and your guy spins out in front of you and there's not much you can do in that situation, but he's not blameless in the sense that don't put yourself in that spot. You've got a, what was was the lead? Eight, nine seconds. It was a monster. Yes. I was, I'm doing an item on him for my top five uh, column. And at the moment of impact, when he hit David star or when David star slid up in front of him and they collided, whatever you want to put it. Um, he had an 8.75 second lead yeah. coming to two laps to go. Yeah. Um, that's just, that's a huge lead and don't put yourself in that spot. You, you are obviously faster. You're coming up on a slower car. Don't try to pass them in the corner. You don't need to do that. I, I understand that you think you're going to go by and whatever, but if something happens, that car is going to probably slide up the track and and he was pegged. He was pegged to the high groove. He was not leaving that high groove. And you're, if that car slides up the track, you're going to be in trouble. Pick your spots. Wait until you get the front stretch. Don't don't put yourself in a spot. Don't be aggressive. Back it down. It's okay. You've got a giant lead. They're not going to catch you. And to me, that just speaks to a larger issue with Gregson where he's not good in late race situations. And it's been that way throughout his career. Now, he's better than he used to be, but his racecraft, it, it still has a long way to go. And to me, that was a moment where you've got to take a step back and a, venture, a driver um, has got to say, I'm going to pick my spot here. I don't even need to pass this guy. And if I am going to pass this guy, it's going to be on a straightaway. I don't totally agree with you. I mean, look, I, I understand that's probably a lesson for next time. Um, you know, it's just, how can you, how can you anticipate that, you know, a, a car that you're coming up to lap in that exact moment is going to blow a tire? I guess you have to, or, or have a tire go down and, and make him slide up. I guess the tire was, I would up. say it this, it's apart, a long but, green flag run and the tire wear there is significant. So I yeah, think, no, it's a, it's a fair point. I mean, but just in that exact moment as you're coming up, it's, it's really hard to, sure to blame him for that. And, and not, I also think yeah. that David Starr as a, a longtime veteran of the series, um, you know, can he not give more room? I mean, you know, why is he that far up the track in the first place? The leader's coming up on the high side. Um, and if David Starr is at all worried about a tire going down as a veteran, shouldn't he be on the low side in case something happens? He bobbles, he can save it. Cause you know, I would he ended up hitting the wall. Um, you know, but, but he, what he didn't hit it hard enough. He just, he, he just bobbled enough. He didn't like, blow a tire and slam the wall. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's a, it's a tough spot. I mean, you know, you, you, you're making a good argument in the sense that probably a veteran, like a, a Harvick or a Logano or something with an eight and a half second lead, maybe they don't put themselves in that position, but it's, it's a tough, 
tough thing to point the finger at, at Gregson for that. Yeah, I think, and I'm not but. trying to blame him for this because, again, it's a victim of circumstances, but I just don't – I think it just speaks to a bigger issue that, that happens with Gregson kind of over and over again. Yeah, that's fair. Well, um, listen, it's, uh, it's time to give some more kudos here, and the kudos go to you, Jordan, for correctly guessing uh, or – guessing close enough, I guess, on the was it a good race poll last week. So congratulations on your win. I know it, it probably meant a lot to you, Jordan. Yeah. Um, you know, let me just compose myself here for a minute. Um, yeah, it meant a lot. And um, I just got a few words to say. Um, there are moments in your life that you're always going to remember. Your first kiss, your wedding, or weddings, the birth of your children. I unfortunately am not married, nor do I plan on having kids, but maybe someday I'll be so blessed. But last Tuesday, February 23rd, I'm sorry, am I, can I continue? Was a day I will never forget. Seeing that I finally won a contest, that means a great deal to me. A contest I place such high value on is a moment I will treasure. It will be a win I will carry with me always and forever. I humbly say thank you. <laughs> I, oh my God, I literally have tears rolling down my face. Oh man, <clears throat> wow. <laughs> oh my god that was just that was all worth it right there uh man I, w- I would almost tank tank a victory to hear that speech again that was just moving that was moving jordan that's probably what my tears are coming from because i know it's it from just the heart, really Jeff. sincere it's from the heart really really sincere uh wow okay so <clears throat> if i can compose myself we need to guess on this week's <laughs> was it a good race poll uh you know since you're such a gracious uh winner I would love for you to go first and, and name your, your percentage for this I, homestead race. Is 85% too high? I mean, I, I probably, I'm probably oh, am cause I'm probably biased. Cause do it's, that. You, that was the number you wanted. That was the exact number oh, I was thinking. Shoot. I'm sorry. That's That's a bummer. Darn. <laughs> oh, shucks. I wish I wouldn't have gone first. Oh, well, well, I'll just go with 85. I'm sorry. Your turn. 86. Yeah, that's fair. All love uh, and war. You know, I, I will say, I think it's going to be tough to get over 86. I, uh, yeah, I mean, to have is. this in the upper 80s, I don't know. I, I did see enough people on Twitter that were like, that was a boring race. Yeah, I don't the, know why. I mean, I that, that's, that. The, I mean, that's the knock on it. People are going to be like, oh, the finish. And it's like, the finish was natural. Like, I mean, it's, you know, you're not every race needs to go into overtime and you're not to be crazy and crashing. And this was a natural NASCAR race played to its conclusion. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I just... Again, yeah, it's the area. I, I hate living. to be. It's the, it's the time. I hate air. to be one of these people that's like on Twitter, like, if you didn't like that race and you don't, you don't like NASCAR. But I almost kind of feel that way on this one because this is what you're gonna get. This is about as good yeah. as many NASCAR races get on a mile and a half track. Like it's not Martinsville. It's not Daytona. You're not gonna get this like insane race. But this was really good. This was a good auto race. Yeah. Like if you didn't enjoy it. Like, are you not just like causing yourself a lot of frustration by watching these races every week? Like, what are you watching for? I don't get it, I guess. But I just thought it was, I thought it was good. Maybe I missed the mark, but I think there'll be enough people that it definitely gets in the eighties. I, I just don't know where in the eighties you may, you may tie it up here, uh, tie up the score, um, going into next week, but well, I guess we'll see. Yeah. I just, I, I echo everything you said. I hate to be one of those people, but if you're looking for something else on a track like Homestead, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Well, uh, 
listen, Tyler Reddick, he had a great show today, and he is going to be this week's guest on the 12 Questions podcast, which you can hear right here on the Teardown feed that I've been dropping in every Friday. So uh, check back for that. Um, we've had some really enjoyable ones so far, I think. Yeah, your Corey LaJoy one was excellent. It, he was great. He was fantastic, and Chase Briscoe was fantastic, Joey Logano. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I always say it's these guys, it's – the questions are there. It's just how much these guys want to put into answering them or how much thought they want to put into them. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll have some duds eventually, but I feel like it's been a pretty strong start to the season with those. And I've really had fun doing them. So I hope you guys enjoy listening to them um, this year for free on the teardown feed. And of course, uh, subscribers to the athletic get the early access. They get the written version, which is always behind the paywall. And then the early access to the podcast version comes out on Wednesdays instead of Fridays. So um, anyway, I, I, I think there'll be another good one coming up Friday. I will say though, um, again, we are still on baby watch here in Colorado. Um, my wife, Sarah has made it already longer with baby two than we did with baby one. So I don't know if I'll be here for the teardown next week. Um, but Jordan, I think you'll be able to carry on if uh, without me very well, even if uh if I'm, if I'm out for a little bit, but, um, then I'll be back after a few weeks, a month, whatever. So, uh, that's the plan. I'll try to be back for Vegas next week, but if not, you guys know what happened. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate all your support. We appreciate all your tweets and feedback and comments, and we will talk to you next time on the terror.